Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning, y'all. Yeah, like you said, my name is Britt, Matthew 19, 1 through 10. Now, when Jesus had finished these things, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Then why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. So, as we jump into this series, again, week three, Jesus and sexuality. One of the things I know of, over the past two weeks, we've had a lot of conversations around Hill City. And it's been good. It's been good as we have wrestled and, and thought and prodded and, po- and just, I'm encouraged by our posture at our church and our city groups as you've taken the, the last text we looked at for two weeks and as we talked about lust and then practically how to fight through that and you wrestled. And here's what I love is even our city groups, there's a place for us to have struggle and to wrestle back and forth and to disagree at some level without feeling like, oh, we have to be enemies. And I love it. I love it. Um, as we continue in this series, I told you last week, please don't take one sentence and pull it out, especially out of context. Understand that all four of these messages build on one another and there is a whole. Even don't take one message out without the four. And then we have an event coming up called Naked Truth. It's in two weeks on a Saturday night here where my wife and I will jump into this in more detail and really have some bigger conversations. And that will be the end of this series. We have a lot more to say there. So please keep wrestling city groups. Keep wrestling, keep talking, keep thinking. Take all of these as a whole as we pursue um, life and what it means to live, um, live with our sexuality in the way that Jesus would have us to live. So Matthew 19, this passage where Jesus is asked a question about divorce and he speaks into marriage and divorce. Before we jump into this, I want you to know I come this morning not detached with the pain of some of you around this topic. I've set a cross from men and women in our church who have went through divorce, and I've, I've heard the brokenness surrounding this. I've heard the loss and the regret and the feeling of helplessness when a spouse is leaving and you can do nothing with it. I've weeped with you. I feel you. And in coming today, in no way is my posture one of like, here to beat you down. As a matter of fact, my prayer is you leave encouraged, um, pointed 
to Jesus and encouraging and, and have something to wrestle through as we jump into this. The church has often treated this topic, I, I think, very poorly. And in many churches, people who have been divorced um, and, and remarried or divorced at all ha- have kind of been put in a box. And they're not allowed to do certain things in the church. And I believe that is not the heart of God. And the Hill City Church, we say it all, we will walk with you through anything. The gospel's true, you have nothing to hide, including divorce, including marriage troubles. But we want to speak to this. I want to speak to this today because Jesus taught about it. And let's try to understand what he is doing here. So Matthew 19, this whole teaching centers around verse 3. It's a question that Jesus has asked. So the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the religious leadership of Israel, the, the ones who Jesus had bad interactions with a lot because the heart of the Pharisees is they believe they kind of kept all the commands of God and they didn't really need Jesus. They thought they were good and they liked to lord over the rest of the people how good they were and how sinful the rest of the people were. And it's these people that Jesus had lots of interactions with. And in verse 3, the Pharisees came to Jesus And what is their heart? What's it say in verse 3? They want to learn about how to find life? No. They came to test him, to trap him, to get him into something where they can discredit him. The Pharisees came to him and tested him, asking a question. Here's the question. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? That's their question to Jesus. It's important you understand, this is not in the middle of a sermon, Jesus talking and he, and he teaches on marriage and divorce. This is in response to a particular question from a particular sort of set of people in a particular time. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? That word divorce means to send another away. Specifically, and I want you to see this in the question, who is who sending who away? The man is sending the woman away. Notice it doesn't say, is it okay for a spouse to divorce another spouse? We'll get into that in a little bit. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? This is a loaded question. And it taps into a discussion that was being had in the days of Jesus, centered around the teachings of two different Jewish rabbis. Okay, this question is part of a larger debate. If you can think of a hot topic issue in our culture right now, specifically in the church or sexuality, and the debate and the discussion around that, this is the debate in the days of Jesus. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? And they asked Jesus about this. Now, before we jump in, understand the culture to which Jesus is coming and which this question is asked. I was looking at some marriage contracts in my research from first century Middle East, this time period. Their marriage contracts looked more like someone buying a house than taking a spouse. It was contractual, there was money exchanged, there were certain things the wife had to do, there were certain things. Marriage in this culture is, is a business deal. A lot of times it was to gain political advantage, to to climb a ladder. Women were property in this time. Um, One writer describing this time said that the wife was the husband's, quote, most valued possession. 
So as we see this teaching, we jump into this, understand we cannot look through the lens of our culture. We have to understand the culture in which this question was asked. And in this culture, the Pharisees and what they're teaching, women can be discarded at any point. And women in this culture were the most vulnerable. A woman who had been sent away by her husband, who had been divorced, was now an outcast and had no system of support around her. Read the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, and you'll see a vulnerable woman. She hadn't been divorced. Her husband had died, but there are not social services in these days to help women. And so many women, when they got divorced, could not even go back to their home. Their parents wouldn't receive her because she was now a disgrace to them. She was left on her own. What, possess, what profession do you think most of these women ended up in? Prostitution. So Jesus has asked a question. Can a man divorce his wife for any cause? Now, there are two Jewish rabbis in the day. A rabbi named Shammai and a rabbi named Hillel. These rabbis kind of reached their popularity about 50 years before Jesus came on the scene. They died about 10 years after Jesus was born, both of them. Shammai and Hillel. And this question was a question referring to a debate with these two rabbis around a particular set of scriptures in the Old Testament. There's really two main ones. We're going to look at one on what the Old Testament taught about divorce and marriage. Okay? Uh, Now, before we read the Old Testament, because this is the word of God to Moses, again, even as you read Old Testament, be cautious about looking at this through the lens of our uh, moral values of today. It was a different time period where polygamy was the norm, where women were cast away and, and and acquired and purchased, and it's a different time. Here is the scripture that Jesus is asked to weigh in on a debate. Deuteronomy 24. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house. So, Man marries a woman, she finds no favor in his eyes, he gives her a certificate of divorce, which that's the other scripture Moses commanded they had to do, and sends her away. She departs his house. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife, and that man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce, and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter man dies, who took her to be his wife, then the former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled, but that is abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance. Clear things up? Okay. Thanks for coming to Hill City. So, God writing to Moses to give to the people of Israel. This is the main passage. There's one more that tells them they have to give a woman's certificate of divorce because before that, the culture, the norm of that day was get rid of women whenever you, women whenever you want, just kick her out. The first command is give her a certificate of divorce so she can get married again, so she's not an outcast. And this command is saying we can't just discard them 
back and forth. Now, anyone, does this passage rub you the wrong way? It does me. Um, One of the things we have to understand in some of these Old Testament passages, this is not God's ideal for a flourishing humanity. This is a response to a broken and corrupt sinful people where God in Deuteronomy is restraining cruel and cold men. In the days that Deuteronomy was given, this is a giant leap forward in starting to value women and their wives. In the days that this was given, this would be countercultural. But the main discussion in the days of Jesus, the reason the Pharisees ask him the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause, comes from the beginning of this Deuteronomy. Okay, here's, here's what it said. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. That is the phrase that was being debated in the days of Jesus. So you had two rabbis. You had a rabbi named Shammai. Now, These were like the head rabbis, and each rabbi would have a a bunch of rabbis that would work underneath him, and then they would go out and share his teaching. Shammai read Deuteronomy 24, and he taught that the only, that when, when Moses said, found something unfavorable or indecent, that that is talking about a woman going out and having an affair, committing adultery. And that is what Moses commanded the people, that's when you're able to send her away. That's what Shammai taught. Now, Hillel, the other rabbi, took this passage and took that phrase, if a man finds something indecent about her, and he took it to the extreme. He said this, anything that you find, man, indecent about your wife is grounds for divorce, including one of the things he wrote, if she burns your toast. That divorce can be for any reason that you find unfavorable. Um, One rabbi that came from the school of Hillel said this, quote, A bad wife is like leprosy to her husband. What is the remedy? Let him divorce her and be cured of his leprosy. That is the belief of the time. We know from history that the Pharisees mostly landed on the side of Hillel. Very convenient for them. Anyone heard of the Jewish historian Josephus? Anyone heard of that name? Yeah, Jewish historian. Uh, He divorced his wife and the mother of his three children because he did not like her eating manners. And this is the question Jesus is asked. Who are you going with, Jesus? Shammai or Hillel? Now, if we've been around, if you've been with us, we went through, read through the book of Luke, taught through that. Do you think Jesus is going to answer their question directly? <laughs> no way. No way. Verse 4. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, that's God, quote, Therefore, and this is Jesus quoting Genesis, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Question. Jesus, who are you going with? Shammai or Hillel? Have you not read the Bible? Now, I wish we could have seen their faces when he said this. Guys, these, these Pharisees had it memorized. They had the first five books of the Bible. They had it memorized. Have you not read? In answering their question, Jesus is not going to get a debate on who's right and who's wrong here. He's going to go after their heart. And he's going to take them on a journey right back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 in the creation in the Garden of Eden when everything that happened happened in the way God intended. And what does he tell them? He says, the design of God is a man will leave his father and mother, will hold fast. The word is united. The Old Testament or the King James says cleave. It means stuck, inseparable. Hold fast to his wife, And then they will become one flesh. Their bodies will come together in a way that mirrors how their hearts have come together. He says, have you not heard? Do you not know, Pharisee? Have you read your Bible? They're not two. They're one. In taking them back to that verse, Jesus is doing a whole lot. And we'll hit some more of that next week. But he is restoring to a group of men who are discarding their women, their wives, for burning their toast. He is restoring the imago Dei, the, the belief that men and women are created in the image of God, therefore are worthy of dignity, honor, respect, and value. He is telling these men, you will not treat your wives like property. You will not. Even in their question, I want you to see the male bias in it. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Notice there's zero discussion about a woman divorcing her husband. They had no rights. They had very few rights. See, where the Pharisees wanted to read the scriptures. Like one of the things we got to remember, the Pharisees took the scriptures very seriously. Very seriously. But where they saw the scriptures and looked for loopholes to protect their convenience, Jesus pointed them back to design that provides flourishing for men and women and children and communities. We believe at Hill City that in a high view of marriage, And inside that design of marriage, a man will leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, become one flesh. There is great flourishing. Now, we're not in Eden anymore. Is it perfect? No. (laughs) I know this is a young crowd. It's not. It's not. Flourishing doesn't mean, oh, this is the best thing ever. Doesn't mean that. But we believe there is flourishing inside that. Now, in the Bible, does God allow divorce? Yes. But he puts limits on it. And that is what Jesus is doing here to these Pharisees who have a view of divorce from the Old Testament. They use the scripture to back it up where they can do whatever they want with their women. Jesus 
limits that. So, Jesus, can we divorce our wives for any cause? Have you not read Genesis 2, 1 and 2, Pharisees? It's like a card game. Pharisees are going to play their ace. Oh yeah, verse, uh, verse 7. Oh yeah, Jesus, then why did Moses, I don't know if they, that's how I interpret it. Why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? So they're quoting Deuteronomy and that other passage we didn't look at. Why did Moses say this then, Jesus? This is great. Because of your hardness of heart, again, I wish we could see that video. The respected men of Israel, because your hearts are hard. It's because your hardness of heart that Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, now, this is the verse. This is the verse that causes the discussion. This is the verse that I believe is used to hurt people deeply. Now the statement. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. So what do we do with this? The Pharisees were looking at the Bible for loopholes to do whatever they wanted. Jesus was pointing them back to a design that would lead to flourishing. The Pharisees were using scriptures to justify whatever they wanted to do. Jesus using them pointing back to the garden. And he says to the Pharisees, if it's not for marital unfaithfulness, you commit adultery. Now, this is the second time in two weeks that he's called the Pharisees adulterers. <laughs> Did you catch that? Last time it was, if you look at a woman lustfully, you're an adulterer. Now it's, hey, you, all of you Pharisees that have been discarding your wives, you're adulterers. So how do we, what do we do with this? What do we do with this phrase of Jesus? I'm going to give you two cautions before we jump in, because I do want to speak to this, hopefully in a way that's tangible, that gives us something to hold on to. But two cautions before we do. With scriptures like this, verse 9, a caution of taking one scripture out and building a dogmatic case around it. I want you to hear me on this. The Bible is a story from Genesis to Revelation, one story that tells the story of God. Just like any story, you can't pull out one part of the story and go over here and make a whole different case around it. You have to read it within the story. We have to read the Bible biblically. Do you hear me on that? You have to read it biblically. It is one story beginning with creation, pointing to Jesus. Jesus came, fulfilled with the promise he's coming back. It is one story about God leading to Jesus. So when we take this one passage and a preacher gets up and he's, and he, and he's really angry and if you divorce your spouse for any reason but adultery, you are in sin. I believe that's a dogmatic stance taken out of context. We need to be cautious about this. When he cautious about using scripture as ammunition to fire at people. 
Did Jesus teach about divorce and marriage and sexuality? And all? Did he teach about that? Yeah. He had a whole lot more to say about self-righteousness. A whole lot more to say. So caution as we teach this. For us to hear these words and think, oh, so-and-so needs to hear, oh, if I, that case, oh, that, this divorce that I saw, this, that's not your job. It's not my job. When someone comes to talk to me about divorce, their past, their marriage, my job is not to decide who's right or who's wrong. My job is to point them to Jesus and the life of what Scripture is. Um, here, here's what the Bible says about itself. It's Hebrews 4. 12, the word of God is living and active, like it's alive, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces to the division of the soul and the spirits and the joints and the marrow, in discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hear me. The words, the words of Jesus are a sword that pierces the heart, meant for you and your own heart, not a sword to wave and pierce other people. When we take one passage and we go, oh, this is how it is, and we start swinging, I think we have left true Christianity and moved over to Pharisaical faith. Jesus did not use Scripture to beat down hurting and broken people. And neither will we. And we take this serious at Hill City. Here's what we say we are all broken. Every single one of us. And that's why Jesus died. But Jesus didn't just die, he, he was raised, and we are all now walking in new life. Jesus came full of grace and truth. That's what John says. He came and dwelt among us full of grace. Jesus, perfectly showing grace and mercy to hurting, broken, sinful people. He was full of grace, at the same time perfectly full of truth, loving them without you know, letting go of, of what he knew about God's design. Jesus was perfect at that. Hear me. We are not perfect at that. Me, this morning, I will fall one way or the other. My, my goal is to be right in the middle, grace and truth, grace and truth. I'm always sliding back and forth. Sometimes I'm too much grace. Sometimes I'm too much truth. Be cautious with passages like this. Um, be cautious, actually, don't take passages like this and feel the need to choose sides. One of the things is I've talked to people who have been divorced that they'll say is in getting divorced and going through that process, there was a tearing of relationship with their spouse and, and a breaking and a hurting. And, but one of the things that they will say that they were not prepared for was not just the, the broken relationship with a spouse, but all of the people around that in the choosing of sides and this group of people are with the wife, and this group of people the husband, and it's, I would caution us with that, the need to choose sides, to say, oh, she is, to, to look at one situation, oh, she is totally out of line there. Really? Do you know that? Were you in that home at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night? Oh, how, how dare he? Really? Because you've walked in his shoes? Most of the time with divorce, if it's not yours, you need to stay out of it. You do. You need to refrain from comments. You need to refrain from judgments from far away. 
Now, is there a case when you may need to jump in? Yes, but that better come after nights and nights of prayer and wrestling and because you care for these people so much that you can't not get involved. And it better do something in you. It better, like, in going to have that conversation with them, like, you should feel like throwing up because you're so afraid of hurting a friendship. Not, well, I'm going to tell him what. So first caution, using scriptures like this for dogmatic, hurtful, slashing with a sword statements. But here's the second caution. It's on the other side. It's reading the scripture, looking for loopholes. The most dangerous statement around sexuality Quote, I know what the Bible says, but, come on now, well, I know what the Bible says about premarital sex, but, I know what the Bible says about homosexuality, but, we must be careful with that. Looking for loopholes. I was, I was researching, when I research sermon, I always research people I disagree with, is to see what they're saying. And in doing that this week, there's this one pastor that I think has a way too liberal view of sexuality and relates to the Bible. And here is his argument that he made that I think is just finding loopholes for everything. As he said, quote, when, when God is dealing with people in sexuality, he is always moving people forward in history. And he is still doing so today. So, so here was the argument uh, with sexuality. So, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, he said this, like about divorce, like you can't just send them away back and forth. And then Jesus came and Jesus said this, and it was a giant leap forward. And so now here we are 2,000 later, a different culture, and God wants us to keep moving forward. Wrong. Because the Bible, the Old Testament is a story of the Messiah coming. The Gospels are the Messiah, the kingdom here. The New Testament is pointing us back to Jesus who fulfilled the Old Testament, period. God is not continuing to reveal his heart that changes with our cultural values. So the caution on both sides is one with looking at this scripture to like cut people down and use strong words. The other is to find loopholes. So what do we do with this? And this is the difficult part. Except for sexual immorality, if a man divorces his wife and marries another, he commits adultery. To understand what Jesus is teaching, I believe we start with the question and the context around the question. Pharisees in a culture where they discarded a broken question, can we divorce our wives for any reason, and a sharp response back to them. This, here is what Jesus' statement is not. A woman comes up to him who is getting beat, beaten by her husband and says, Jesus, my husband is beating me. Can I leave him? And Jesus says, unless a man, unless it's adultery, you cannot leave her. That's not the question. It's not in response to a, a man who came, who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my wife has left me. She's gone. And she won't come back. And I've pleaded with her to come back. And I've tried to seek her. And she won't come back. And Jesus says, well, sorry. Unless it's sexual immorality, it's adultery. 
It's not in response to a woman that comes to Jesus and says, I'm trying to stay with my husband, but he's creating a culture in our home that is unsafe for me. It's, it's unsafe for my children. I don't know what to do. Well, sorry, woman, unless it's adultery. No, it is Pharisees saying, can we divorce our wives for any cause? So here's my humble opinion. You can take it for what it's worth, which is not very much. That this is not a mic drop dogmatic stance of Jesus, but a hard pushback to a broken question from self-righteous Pharisees who have little value for women and marriage. So I don't think we can take this and say, oh, if you've been divorced and you marry again, you're an adulterer and you're sinful and your new marriage is broken and sinful. I don't think we can do that. Is there not grace? Is there not forgiveness everywhere else with every other issue? Why is this one one, we don't allow that. Because if you take that stance, then I think you also have to take the stance of the passage we looked two weeks ago, which says, if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery. Anyone here going to get married now? So we have to be careful with that. So, application. I'll try to get to this quick. What do we do with this? I'm going to talk to three groups of people. First, if you're married, what do you do with this? You ready? You fight. You fight for your marriage. That's what you do with this. Well, Daniel, you don't know. I don't care. You fight. He cheated on me. Okay, let's fight. We fight together. We have a high view of marriage at Hill City Church. We put a ton of effort and money into healthy marriages in our church. We have a marriage conference coming up that Emily and I lead. It's in February. There's like six spots left, I think. It's filling up quick. If you're having trouble, get there. We'll fight with you. God's will, I believe I can say this in Scripture, God's will for you is to fight for your marriage to stay together because your marriage preaches a bigger sermon. It's the covenant love of God for his people, and your marriage puts that on display. And what a better testimony than to say we have had all kinds of trouble, all kinds of trouble, but we have kept fighting. And in fighting, we are both pointed to Jesus who fights on our behalf. Your marriage preaches a bigger message. So fight, don't quit, don't, quit, don't give up, seek help, ask us, go to a marriage, do whatever you can. Exhaust every option. Exhaust every option. We must take these words of Jesus seriously. This is so good, and we'll, we'll, this word will continue next week. So Jesus says this phrase, okay, can a, can a man divorce his wife for any cause? And Jesus kind of teaches that design, then he says, well, if, you, if you just get rid of him, it's adultery. Here's what the disciples say. This is so good, verse 10. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. <laughs> they got it. Because the disciples grew up thinking, yeah, I get married, she burns my toast, she's out. Jesus brings it back and they're like, bachelors from now on. That's what they did, they just pledged to be bachelors. <laughs> they understood what Jesus was saying. I do a ton of pre-marriage counseling here. A lot of you Folks will, will come through, the, through our counseling stuff at Hill City Church. The first session of pre-marriage counseling, here is my goal. Talk them out of getting married. It is. Oh, Daniel, that's not very nice. 
I try to talk, I, I try to paint a picture of marriage as like it is the worst thing you'll ever do. <laughs> that may be stretching a little bit, but I do try to scare them. One of the things that I do, the very first session when I do pre-marriage counseling, I have the couple read their vows that they will say in front of all their family and friends. Because if you read those vows, those are weighty. Huh? Any husbands in here? Any wives? Those are weighty vows. I will do this in sickness and in health to love and to cherish whether we have lots of money or we're poor till death do us part. That is weighty. And we must see marriage in its design as this weighty thing where we are bound to someone for the rest of our lives. So the Apostle Paul is writing to a church and he's trying to wrestle with these words of Jesus and now what it means for these New Testament believers after Jesus has, has risen and, and ascended to the Father and he has in, his church, in this church in Corinth all these people who are coming to faith in Jesus but like Christianity is a new religion and so they're coming to faith but maybe it's just the husband who's becoming a Christian or the wife and the other and, the, and he's trying to wrestle with that. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7. To the married I give this charge not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Now pause. Did you notice the wording there? Again, the culture. A wife shall not, what was the word? Huh? Separate. A husband shall not divorce. Why? The wife had no rights. <laughs> she couldn't divorce. To the rest I say, not I, I not the Lord, that if there are any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, he should not divorce her. So Paul's writing to these new believers. Like, let's, so let's say the husband comes to faith in Christ and joins this thing called Christianity that's this new deal and the wife's like, this is a cult. Right? It would have been counterculture in that day. Here's what he says to the man. Don't, don't leave her. Stay with her. If a man comes, like the, stay with him. So if you are married, we believe it is in your best interest and the people around you to fight for your marriage. To keep fighting. Well, Hood, it's hard. You're right. It is. Well, I'm not happy. Then let's fight to be happy. Now, if you're divorced and not married yet, pause. We have a lot of single people here. We'll talk about you some next week. I want you to hear that marriage talk because that applies to you. It's weighty. Single people, I want you to hear me. Marriage is not Pinterest and flowers and a dance and sex. It is heavy. And it is lifelong, and it is weighty. And there will be a day you wake up and look at your spouse and be like, I made the wrong decision. That day will come. Hopefully it's not every day. <laughs> but that day will come. If it's every day, we have counseling here, we'll walk you through anything, let's talk, all right? Okay, if you're divorced and not yet remarried, um, 
First thing I'll tell you, if you were abandoned, or if your spouse cheated on you, obviously we have that, that there's grounds for divorce. But also, here's what Paul says in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians. If the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such case, the brother or sister is not enslaved, not stuck. Doesn't have to be unmarried for the rest of their lives. God has called you to peace. So Paul does permit, if you're married to someone and they leave you, they desert you, that you can be remarried again. If you've been divorced and you're not yet remarried, here's my question, first question for you. Have you considered reconciliation? Well, Daniel, we've been, we've been divorced for six years. What a picture of the gospel to go back and fight for that. Well, that's just, this, this is cool. One of the elders in our church, his grandparents on both sides, both grandparents divorced and remarried and then had their children who got married and then had the grandchildren who's one of our elders. What a great picture of the gospel of Jesus making all things new. Have you considered reconciliation? If you've been divorced and you've sought restoration, reconciliation, it's not an option. Here is what I would tell you. I don't believe that you are now stuck to be single the rest of your life. Now pray about that. Maybe the Lord would call you to that. Pray about it. But I would caution you just to automatically just go jump in another marriage. Well, it was all my wife's fault. I'm going to go. I would caution you with that. Because one of the things I've seen is rarely is it all one person's fault. Rarely. And there needs to be a season where you do some really hard work processing through your first marriage. Where you need to look at the hurt that was caused by the other person and you need to grieve that. You need to cry. And you need to be angry about some injustice that was done. There also needs to be a time when you ask really hard questions about your own heart and what you brought to that. And a season of repentance of the brokenness that you brought And to go through that and take very seriously that process before you just jump into a new marriage. But I do not believe that you are bound to singleness for the rest of your life because I believe there is forgiveness and grace in Christ everywhere else. Why not here? Shouldn't Jesus' mercy and forgiveness apply to divorced people as well? Lastly, as I finish, if you're divorced and remarried, you don't need to hide your head in shame here. You don't need to hate yourself. You don't need to be put in a corner. You need to lead and serve in this church and help other marriages become healthy and work with our young people and teach them. You need to grieve the past. You need to repent for your part. And you need to cleave to your new marriage. That's what you need to do. Because you cannot go back and fix what is done. You are now married again. And God's will is that a man will leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So as I wrap up, Hill City, we have a high view of marriage because we believe marriage tells a story. It tells a story of our covenant, faithful husband, Jesus, and his unwavering 
love for us, his bride. And ultimately, with everything we do, our hope is Jesus. Jesus is the hero. And his death, like he came and died for our marriage brokenness. You realize that? He died for it. He also rose so that we would walk in new life and that he is making things new. And he can make your marriage new and he can make you new. That's the resurrection. Here's one of the doctrines we forget about in the church. The cross, the resurrection. Here's another one, the ascension. He ascended to the right hand of the Father where he now pleads your case before the Father. Father, it is by my blood that they are healed, not by their perfect marriage. He is pleading for you right now, which is why you don't have to hang your head in shame. You have a gracious high priest who loves you and pleads on your behalf. May you see that Jesus is the hero here and that he's making all things new. Let's pray together.